Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you for those that have taken time out of their schedule to come visit with us, come hang out with us, and most of all, to join with us in blessing your name. Father, we just ask that the words that are spoken during this message will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that you will be glorified therein. We thank you. We honor you for this time, and we bless you for it in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so. We are not doing one team, one vision, one mission, one voice today. But during this season, we want to talk about what this season is about. And what we have come to is not just necessarily just spring break for some of us. It's not just a time of getting ready to go to the beach and hang out with our friends for a time period, but it's also a time of celebration, a time of recognition, and most of all, it's a time of rec uh, recognizing what Jesus's purpose truly was for uh, for us. So we're going to be in John, the 12th chapter, looking at a little slice of history that has actually traveled through time all the way up until today. If you did not know, today is called, has been designated as what's called Palm Sunday. Um, when I was growing up, you would walk into the church and they would have palm branches all over the church and you would see that they had uh established a time whereby they would celebrate who Jesus was. And this was just a reflection of who or what happened during the first Palm Sunday. So we're going to talk about that today because I want to make sure that we have a good understanding of what this time of the year is. The other designation of Palm Sunday is that it started what is now designated as, or has been designated as, what's called Passion Week. And Passion Week is just the week that led up to Jesus' resurrection, which is what we will celebrate on next Sunday, which everybody calls Easter Sunday. Uh, some other folks call it Resurrection Sunday because Easter has become so commercialized. Um, but nonetheless, Today, the celebration that we're focusing on is Palm Sunday. John, the 12th chapter, starting at the 12th verse. And it says, in the English Standard Version, The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. The feast that they were getting ready for was the Passover. They're getting ready for the Passover, and if you remember, the Passover was a celebration of what God had done for the children of Israel when they were captives in Egypt. They were captives in Egypt, and Pharaoh wouldn't let them go, so Moses was designated to tell Pharaoh to let the people go. Pharaoh didn't want to let them go because they were building his pyramids, and so 
there came a time of plagues and then the last iteration between God and Pharaoh was the firstborn of every creature died. Except for those that had been covered by this designation which God has set up. And what that designation was, there was a, a year old lamb that was sacrificed and had to be eaten at night. And they didn't put any leaven in their bread. They had to eat bread that was flat and it was unleavened bread. And they had to have their sandals on, had to have their staffs in their hand as they were getting ready to leave. So this celebration, this Passover, then became a celebration that God said will be a continuous, a, every year, annual celebration, we will celebrate how God had came in and delivered the children of Israel from the hand of Pharaoh to take them to the land that he had promised to Abraham. And so they were all coming from miles around. Everybody's coming around to this feast. And as they were in the feast, has anybody ever been to a concert? Has anybody ever been to one of them concerts that's like a week long? You know, like, you know, uh, in New Orleans, they have what they call the Essence Music Festival, where it's for a whole week long, all these different people are playing. So this is kind of what it is. This atmosphere is everybody's celebrating. Everybody's just having a big old party. And all of a sudden, they start hearing that Jesus of Galilee was coming to Jerusalem. Whoever your favorite singer is, whoever your favorite person is in the world today, if you happen to be there at the festival and you hear that that person's coming, it kind of gets you a little bit more happy. I don't know who your, who your person would be. Uh, maybe it's Louis Armstrong. Oh, he's already passed. Um, I can't think of nobody else right now. But anyway, if they come. But as they heard he was coming, they got so excited about him coming. As you see in the 13th verse, it says, so they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And it says, and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written. Fear not daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. One of the things that Jesus did is he validated what was prophesied of him by many years before. So if we were to bounce to Zechariah, the ninth chapter and the ninth verse, we see there in Zechariah 9 and 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. And see, what happened was they said, Oh, he must be the king that is coming to us. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal, of a donkey. 
So Jesus is validating, he's, he's providing credence to this is what was said in Zechariah because this is a part of the training because everybody was looking for Messiah. Everybody was aware of this prophecy. So they're just celebrating that the king is coming in. But then as we look at the 16th verse in John, the 12th chapter, it says, his disciples didn't understand a thing, these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And so as we look at this whole entire situation, the folks that was closest to Jesus really wasn't getting what was going on. They just thought they were just celebrating who Jesus was. They didn't recognize the elevation that came from Jesus being the king of kings. And then the 17th verse says, The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead just continued to bear witness. They were like, yes, he's the king. He raised Lazarus from the dead. You know, they're just, they're just being his hype men and women as they're celebrating who Jesus is. And I want to bring this a little bit tighter, a little bit closer to home, is because if you read in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, it talks about the process that goes forward into revealing who Jesus is. It talks about how Jesus commissioned his disciples to go find this coat that had never been written on before. And they went and found it and they placed their coats and their jackets on the on this donkey and they led him through this. And they were folks were doing all this celebration, doing all this magnification of who he was. And as they were doing this, they were celebrating the king that had come to redeem them. But now we have a problem. And our problem is, have we ever heard something, but we didn't really hear it? Have you ever thought that person said, a, but that ain't what they said. This is what happened with the children of Israel. I know me and Lady Yolanda have been married for a few minutes, and uh, sometimes she'll say something, and my interpretation of what she said don't coincide uh, exactly uh, at all, she said, but it's just her, she just mis, 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 uh, misspoke what she was trying to tell me. So she didn't really know what she was trying to tell me. So it's all on her, not on me. But that's the same way they were thinking. They were thinking, the, the people were thinking, this is Jesus of Galilee. He's the king, and he's the king that's going to come and going to relieve us of the Roman rule. He's going to remove this oppression that is coming on us by the Romans. And sometimes we kind of think that because Jesus is in our lives that he's going to just eliminate a situation that we're in, a little conflict that we're in. We just believe that Jesus is just going to remove it. But going through the conflict 
is what makes us trust Jesus a little bit more, makes our faith grow that much more. So as we go through the process, we realize how we can grow. So as we are look as they were looking at Jesus being just a king to come deliver him, Jesus was coming to be the king forever that would always rule, that would always have authority, and would always give his people victory. Not a short-term victory, but a long-term victory. And so that's what he was coming to do. And as we looked at the people, as they were pulling these palm branches down from off the trees and they were waving them in the air and, you know, they're just celebrating who Jesus was. The, the, the palm branch represented goodness and victory and was a symbol of final victory. So, again, they're like, Jesus is coming. The Romans is going to get dusted and we're going to be all right. But what it was really symbolizing was when Jesus was going to have victory over death, when he was going to have victory over Satan, when he was going to have victory over the eternal things that was trying to destroy us. And so we kind of missed the mark in that area. We see Jesus comes in, and as he's coming in, he's coming in, on a donkey and it, the donkey what it was it was it was common for a king or an important person to arrive to a location on the donkey because the donkey symbolized peace and so those who chose to ride them showed that they come with peaceful intentions so if a king showed up on his war horse you know his intentions were not peaceful and you know what the other thing if we have to remember about Jesus Jesus even said that he was the prince of peace he has peace he is peace and he is coming on what we would recognize as the symbol of peace so everything about Jesus was about peace but again our perception or their perception was he was just going to bring peace to them. But no, he's bringing peace for all eternity to all who would depend and trust in him. Now, there's a significant word that is mentioned during this time period. And that word is Hosanna. Actually, Kurt Franklin even has a song called Hosanna. You know, and. What they were saying, they were saying, save us now, which is something that you would say to the king when he came to rescue us. They were looking for that earthly king to come in and, again, relieve them of the pressure and the oppression of the Roman Empire. But Jesus was coming to relieve them from the empire of darkness that was established by Satan. And so sometimes we may be looking at it one way. We may be hearing it one way. But the intentionality of it is 
at a higher level. And so we have to grab hold of and understand that although this is called Palm Sunday, this was actually the beginning of Jesus's bad week. During this week, we're going to discover that Jesus went through some painful, emotional, physical time in order to get to next Sunday, next week, whereby he's going to have all victory. I know a lot of us would love to not have to go through anything in order to achieve a goal. We would love to not have to have conflict with our spouse. That their spouse would just act like the way I want them to act. I got half an amen on that. We want them to do how we want them to do. But the thing is, in the midst of the conflict is where we start learning how to depend on God to change situations for us. Within the strength of ourselves, we discover that we always, most of the time, sometimes, come up short. That within the strength of ourselves, when we try to change our knucklehead spouse, it seems to make them get more crazy. They're already crazy. Now they're getting more crazy. I'm so far off my notes. But the thing that we have to realize is that we can't change anybody except the person in the mirror. And so what we have to do is we have to become more dependent on God, who's the creator of all things, and depend on and trust in him to make the changes so that I can progress through this conflict, this situation at a higher level. And so as we look at this and they were calling out to him, save us now. They were declaring to him, save us now. The salvation that they wanted is not the salvation that they needed. They wanted relief from the current situation. But what they needed was for him to go fight for them in their behalf in the heavenlies in order to cause peace to be a part of everything that they do. And that they would operate in that peace. And that they would move in that peace. And that they would begin to interact in that peace. I believe that's why Paul was able to say that God will be able to give you a peace that passes all understanding. Because when you trust in him in the midst of craziness and you don't worry about it because, you know, God's got it all under control. Guess what? It causes everybody else to be wondering, what do they have that I don't have? If you continue to read in this story, you'll see where it says that Jesus wept. For Jerusalem. In the midst of all these accolades, all these folks giving him these praises for who he was as the king. 
But Jesus knew in his heart that it wouldn't be long before the people that are praising him today would be talking about him tomorrow. Would be convicting him on the next day. Would be murdering him on the next day. But yet and still, he maintained his focus. He maintained his purpose. He maintained his intention to accomplish all that the father needed for him to do. Sometimes it, call, uh, it causes us to feel like everybody else has abandoned us. And the only person that we can depend on is Jesus. The only person that we can depend on is God. And we feel like everybody else that was patting me on the back 20 minutes ago is now trying to stab me in the back because of the situation. But if we trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding, we find that he guides us and he maneuvers us to where he needs us to go and so that he can be glorified in all things. And finally, I'd like to say this, and then we're going to call it a day for today. Palm Sunday is a reminder that the, the rain that Jesus has was way bigger than our minds could conceive. They've had all these scriptures that talked about the king is coming, Messiah is coming, the redeemer is coming. They had all these scriptures, but they were just looking again at the surface level, at the current oppression. They weren't realizing that the kingdom that he was bringing was a kingdom of eternity. That it was not just for the present battles, it's for all battles. It's for victory in all things. It's for uh, overcoming every obstacle. Because the final obstacle that we have in reality is death. Death is separation from the presence of God. And when Jesus got victory over death, it allowed us to be reconciled back to who God was and who God is for us. So Palm Sunday is the start of the celebration that turned to the crucifixion, which then turned to the victory which then allowed us to be in the presence of God. So we have no problem with you cheering who Jesus is. We have no problem with you celebrating who Jesus is. But don't just try to put Jesus into your present situation. Realize that Jesus is greater than your present situation and he's given you victory over all aspects of your life. Thank you for that amen, AJ. Appreciate it. We want to know, we have to know, 
that as we celebrate him for the victory that he has brought into our lives, that it is only helping us to understand who he is in our lives that much more. Knowing that he's providing us the victory helps us to understand the victory that we have. So as we go forward throughout this day celebrating this day, a lot of folks have used this day to celebrate the start of spring break and time for rest and time for celebration, which we have no problem with. We want to also understand that this is an eternal thing, not just a temporal thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the recognition of Jesus being the king. And so, God, we just want to acknowledge the great and mighty work that you're doing in the lives of your people. That we recognize him not only as king, but we also recognize him as Lord. And that he's not only the a king, he is the king of all the kings. Not only is he Lord, but he's Lord of all the lords. Because the work that he did it was an eternal work that knew no limitations. So we thank you, God, for an understanding of your word, an understanding of the celebration. And Father, let us not be fickle in our acknowledgement and in our trusting of who you are. But let us pursue you wholeheartedly in everything that we say and do that you will be glorified therein. We thank you and honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.